0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Let's talk about our learning time together today. Now we'll change subjects to our God is Near series. We're in our fourth week of a five-week series. Today we're going to be talking about, you know, hearing God's voice. Did you? I don't know if you guys were involved in watching sports yesterday, but if you're even mildly interested in sports, you saw some really great sports. And when I was watching some of the events, I, I, I couldn't help but think, boy, um, you are what you eat. I mean, what, just, what is going into these athletes or whatever it might be uh, is a significant influence on the outcome of whether they'll be successful or not. Let me just give you a few examples. Okay, the, the horses in Kentucky, right? You can bet they were fed some of the best grain. Probably, probably your children have not been fed with something that nutritious. Uh, at Talladega, NASCAR, those, those cars, their fuel, the, the, what they put into those cars, that fuel is so purified that when it catches fire, you can't see the flames. And sometimes when the drivers are on fire, they don't even know they're on fire because it's such a clean burn. Uh, The fighters last night, the prize fighters, between their weigh-in and that first bell, you can bet they had the most efficient and effective uh, nourishing food that the planet has to offer. Because what you put in has a significant influence on whether... You have anything coming out, right? You are what you eat, and some extension of that. If that's true physically, whether it's for horses or race cars or a human body, it is true for the soul as well. It is true for the metaphysical part of you. If you are what you eat physically, this is, this is who you are spiritually. You are what you think. You are what you think. Uh, one of my favorite authors is a gentleman named Archibald Hart. He's written over, I don't know, about 30 books on, you know, how to live life or how to recover and start living a life rightly, he says this. He says, research shows that one's thoughts, uh, that one's thought life influences every single aspect of one's well-being. Whether you are filled with confidence or whether you're filled with fear depends entirely on the kind of thoughts you habitually occupy your mind. What you think creates your attitudes, what you think shapes your emotions, what you think governs your behavior, what you think even significantly influences your immune system so that you could physically be more vulnerable to illness based on what you think. His conclusion, everything flows from what you think. Paul said it 2,000 years ago, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed How? by the renewing of your mind. So, what gets in that mind? How do you determine if that's true? You are what you think. How do you determine what gets in there? How can you uh, get the right food for the soul? Well, the answer to that is whatever's in there the most. Okay, whatever gets exposed to most frequently. Or let me put it this way. Okay, what the mind repeats, it retains. And what the mind retains, you become. Let's say that out loud together. What the mind repeats, it retains. And what the mind retains, you become. So the books you read, the music you listen to, the movies you watch, the conversations you are involved in, right, the thoughts that you entertain throughout the day, these things are shaping your mind. They are forging you, who you are. And so it's an issue of, in some respects, of repetition. And that's why Isaiah says, you will, keep him perf- you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you. The person's in perfect peace when their mind is focused on the Lord. And that's what, what we're seeing here is the power of the gospel. It's how we got into this series in the first place. When we studied the book of Galatians for 11 weeks or so, we were trying to figure out, how, okay, how do we apply that? And, and the application for the gospel is to be, meditating, focusing, transfixed with the beauty of, of the Father and the sacrifice of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, we're, we're trying to have our minds stayed on Christ. If you want to improve your life, you have to prove your thoughts. If you want to be near to God, He's near. Okay, He's near. You need to hear Him in what He's communicated to us, Right, in, primarily in His Word. And that's what we're going to learn today. We're going to learn how to memorize and meditate the words of God. Now, we're, as I mentioned before, we're in our fourth week in a five-week series on drawing near to God. We spent two weeks on how to pray, right? Those, those sermons were entitled, you know, God saying, speak to me. You know, speak to me. And we learned about the power of prayer, the importance of prayer. We even learned a, a cute little outline for prayer. Remember this, Right? Remember this? A-C-T-S with an L attached for some reason. Okay. Do you remember what they mean? Everyone. Here we go. Ready? Adoration. Confession. <laughs> oh, sorry. You bet. You got it. That's, we used that as an outline, right? Just a simple outline. It gave us a structure. It gave us a fullness in our prayer. We made a, a five-week commitment to try to pray about 15 minutes a day, maybe even using this as an outline in, in our regular experience with God. Then last week we looked at um, God saying to us, "Listen to me, listen to me," and you hear Him primarily through what He's already recorded in what's called the Bible. Okay, and we learned about a, a Bible reading plan. And today we're going to look at focusing more specifically, right, on, on memorizing some of those passages that we look at today. We're going to look at listen, He's going to say, "Listen to me and meditate on what I've said." That's what we're going to look at today. Now, the way I'm going to teach today is a little bit different. Kinda a little bit like two weeks ago when we did ACTS. I want—I'd rather—I'd rather you see me as a coach, right? Than you know, a pastor. I want to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show—I'm going to tell you how, what to do. and We're going to briefly go through the outline, okay? And then I'm going to show you what that looks like. And then you guys will need to take it home and practice this, okay? So the teaching style today is to, is to for, for clarity's sake. I want you to see that what we're trying to do is I'm trying to coach you to win. Be successful in trying to get God's voice in your head, right, so that you can learn to memorize passages, that you can learn to, what, what it means to meditate on the, on the word day and night, as the Bible says. And I don't want you to freak out or be afraid because you're not very good at, at uh, memorizing or this sort of thing. You fail out. For, look, I understand. Some of you probably right now are a little bit worried. You won't even find your car unless a certain amount of cars clear out first, right? But I, look, look, look who's look who's talking today, okay? Like I, my family, my kids wear name tags at my house. We have two cats. I do not know their names, okay? So it's not about it's not about you know we're not keeping score. And and the, and the second thing is is. Um, the most important part in this, and know this, is it's the issue of your heart, okay? You have to have the right heart in this. And if you have the right heart, then all, all sorts of magic can happen in your life. And when I, when I talk about the right heart, here's what I'm referring to, okay? It's the idea of when you open your Bible, when, you're, when we're looking at these passages to try to meditate or memorize, first, I want you to look at it like you're having, it's a relational encounter with God. Okay, so you're meeting with God. So you, you read the Bible first relationally. And if, if your heart is that way and you're, and you're looking at uh, what happens in the Bible and, and, you're, and you say, wow, look what God did. I wonder what he was thinking. I wonder what he was feeling. I'm trying to know him better through these stories or through these statements. That's key. The other thing is, besides reading, reading the Bible relationally, Read it repentantly. And what I mean is you go into it with a, with an, with a sense of uh, vulnerability and expectation of complete surrender. So you're, you're going to open the, the Bible up and you're going to say anywhere to, you know, to do anything with anyone at any time. I just, Lord, I, I want to change. I want to read this Bible transformationally. Right? Which is a different way to read it than for information or to prove your point or whatever. And I know, I know even there's a little bit of kickback about some people that know their Bible so well, but they don't, they're not, they don't show it. And this is why, by the way. This is the reason that people can read their Bibles and be in Bible studies year after year, and they never change. It's because they don't go into their Bible reading with the right heart. They're not reading it relationally. They're not reading it repentantly. And and that's why they they still, you know, all these years, they still bully their wife, they still manipulate their husband, they still worship their kids or ignore their children, they're still melancholy, they're proud, they're pushy, whatever it might be, they have no intention of changing, they have no intention of reading it relationally. I've heard people say, read it relationally, really? They mock it. And here's a great cartoon I stumbled on decades ago, and it's, it's so true to the way some people can read, and that's how they don't change, right? I mean, he's reading a book, right? He's reading a book on, you know, how the art of submitting to your husband. She's reading a book, How to Really Love Your Wife. They're the right books, right? maybe, right? It's the wrong audience. And that's how, that's how people can continue to get information but without transformation. So if it's a hard issue... Just read like a simple a summer novel or something, just because, because the Bible's written for us to know God, all right? And that's what we're going to look at today, okay? The first part, the Roman numeral one, right, is, is get your heart right. Now we're going to look at looking at the passage itself. This is how to get the voice of God in your head, the passage work itself. Let me survey the six points, then I'll explain the six points, then I'll show you what the six points look like, and then you'll take it home and, and run with it, okay? Just coaching, all right? Here are the six ways to get it inside of you, right? The first thing you do is you pick a passage, okay? And we'll show you how to do that. Second, we're going to learn how to understand the passage a little more deeply so we know what we're, we're memorizing. We're going to personalize the passage. We're going to write the passage down, okay? And then we're going to read the passage out loud. And then last, we're going to read the passage out loud, but emphasize, emphasizing different words as we go, okay? So those will be up on the screen as we work through, but look, when, we, when we're doing the passage work, let me just remind you again, more is not better, okay? Sometimes more is worse, because you're spending so much time on so much of the volume, it's not making an impact on you. The idea is, is, is to drill a few wells deeply, okay? We want this in the, you know, inner recesses of our souls, okay, okay? The goal is not to get through Scripture. The goal is to get Scripture through you. So that's kind of the bigger picture when we're looking at these passages. Let's look first at picking a passage. Let me t- let me tell you quickly how to pick a passage. If you looked at last week and you're doing your Bible reading, you'll notice there's different styles of writing in the Bible, genres. And so some genres uh, require a longer read before you get to a particular sentence that you're going to spend your time with. So... You know, some of the narratives, sometimes you'll be turning pages before you hit like the big point. Sometimes it's just a couple paragraphs. But don't try to remember all, just try to remember the kind of the story, but remember that one bullet point. I'll, I'll never forget, I've read the story so many times, dozens of times. But it wasn't until just a few years ago when I was reading the miracle where Jesus heals a man that has been sick almost his entire life. But the first, the first question Jesus asked him was, do you want to get well? And listen, I, I mean, that's a Bible memory verse, by the way. I mean, it's At the end of a story, do you want to get well? And I, it occurred to me, that is maybe the single most important question that anyone could ever ask someone that's, asking for, that's looking for help. Do you want to get well? And as I memorized that sentence, not a hard one to memorize, as I meditated on that sentence, it came back to haunt me, you know, whining to God a prayer like, hey, Matt. Do you want to get well? Do you even want to get well? I've been in in some situations where I'm having lunch with someone or even in a counseling situation, and I feel God's voice speaking to me in his language say this. Do you want to get well? (laughs) You see? So sometimes you have to work for that one sentence. Sometimes Proverbs, whatever, is you're looking for one thought. Proverbs are simple because they are one thought. But here's what you're looking for when you're picking a passage. What do you need? You know, what do you need? That man did not need to read a book on how wives should submit, right? The wife didn't need to read a book on how husbands should love. What do you need? If you're fear-stricken, uh, you might need. it would be interesting for you to know that almost every uh, command for courage in the Bible is followed by a promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That would be a good one to memorize, to meditate on. Issues of pride, there's a passage that says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in all of humility, look at other people as more important than yourselves. Okay, that's, that's the memory. If you meditate on that, that has the power of changing your life because you are what you think. You pick a passage. That's my point. Now, um, again, I wanted to tell you we're setting you up to win. Uh, Dr. Ken Boa, Bible scholar, wrote a lot of commentaries, sorts of things. He did, he did a devotional a number of years ago where he listed the, I think it must have been 200 most important verses to ever memorize, and uh, that 200 is a lot, <laughs> so we wanted to make it, again, manageable, so the worship staff put together a, a list of 52, it looks, there's a card that looks like this that's available, 52 verses, one for each uh, week of the year, and if you go to the website... You can, you can see that there's the webpage for the sermons. And then on the bottom left corner, you can click that. There's a magic square in your bulletin, too. If you, if you want to practice magic, you could do that with your smartphone. But for the rest of you, um, then that's where it is on the website. Point is, 52 sentences. Ken Boa, Dr. Ken Boa said, this would be a great way to start with 200. We got it down to 52. Would you consider going there? Okay? Pick that passage. Pick one for... Each one of those. Uh, Then B is understand the passage. Last week, if you weren't here, I highly recommended buying, it would be a great investment, the NIV Study Bible. Super commentary that gives you context and definitions of key words. Third, personalize the passage. Let me spend some time on this. When you look at the passage itself, you change the pronouns, I, you, he, she, it, we, you, they. You change those appropriate ones to your name. This is where some some significant things can happen in your soul. Here's why. Because while you're reading it, and you're reading it relationally, you're realizing that the words, the promises of God, are written to you specifically. And that has the power to transform the way you perceive reality. I mean, just a a famous sentence, right? Famous verse in the Bible. Uh, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. How about this? For God so loved you. For God to so love Bill or Betty or John or Sarah, for God so love Sarah that he gave his only begotten son. See, like C.S. Lewis said, everything God did for mankind, he did for each and every man. And when you you will see the power, the transformative power, when you change these, when make it personalized, when you see that these promises of God, there's great power in realizing that they are written to you specifically, they can change you. Okay, so after we personalize it, then we write it down, right? I have some friends that write, they get old business cards, and they just write on the back of business cards. They're easy to keep in your pocket. There's business card holders that you can carry them with, so you can refer to them later. Uh, I have some friends that have these little fancy little notebooks, oops, with, as you can see, sewn-in pages, right? And so they can constantly be going through 52, one for each day, week of the year. Whatever work. Post-it notes, put them on mirrors all over the house, in their car, wherever it might be. Point is to be able to refer back to them, and writing it down is powerful for memory work, okay? Write down the passage. Next, you read the passage out loud. Now, we're doing this because now we've gotten our our hands involved in this by writing it, and we're saying it, now our mouth is involved. We're reading it, we're seeing it, and now we're hearing it. As many senses as we can... We can get involved in this as possible. Old Testament, when they'd have the children memorize uh, passages, they'd stick a sweet date to the roof of their mouth so they could taste how sweet the Bible is. Okay? They wanted them to encapsulate all of their senses involved in this. So we read it out loud. Okay? And, and, and we're listening for God when we hear it. When we hear it you know, in our ears, through our voice, we're listening for God saying, God, what, you, what, is it, what's, what am I to be hearing about this? How am I supposed to be changing the way I think or, or what I should do? See, it's not passive, it's active, it's relational, it's repentant. Okay, then here's, some more, here's another trick to the game. Now, you read it out loud, emphasizing different words in that sentence. Because when you emphasize different words, it kind of changes the meaning, but it almost always changes the application. I'll show you what this looks like. All right, just coaching I gave you the list of six things to do when we're looking at the passage. I explained what those six things are. Now let's try it out, okay? Let's take this baby for a spin, and let's see if we can't do it today. And then maybe you can take it home and apply it to one of the sentences that you, you want to uh, meditate on. All right. Now, I, I picked a passage that I thought would be appropriate for us for a couple reasons. One, it's going to bring in the power of the gospel that's that, about what happened when Jesus died for us and when he was raised according to uh, the Scriptures, and, and, and we inherited his righteousness. So it's going to be a verse packed with that. It also applies to our previous teaching time where we learned about A-C-T-S-L, the C, confession, and it's in our list from, from Ken Bowen. Okay, Here's the sentence. I think it was the third verse I ever memorized in the Bible, 1 John 1.9. Okay? If we confess our sins... He is righteous and faithful, or um, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Love this verse, okay? But I want I want to meditate on this verse. I want this verse to make its way into my soul, okay? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There it is. Pick the verse. Second, what does it mean? Right now, we have to understand the passage. Let's look at the key words. Confess. Simple. That's how it starts. Um, it means to admit to, to to affirm and condemn the action. It means to use your words, speak out loud what you did, what motivated you to do it, and the people you injured. Okay? Be thorough and exhausting on this that's what confession means okay and And, and then the next one is faithful and just. These, these words faithful and just are are kind of used in combination to one another. That's why they're so close to each other, because they're appealing to the nature of God, the very kind of God that rules the universe. He is faithful. That means he is consistently dependable. Okay? That has to do with his reliability, that whatever he says he's going to do, he will do that because that's what faithful people do. Now, justice, it sounds synonymous that he is because justice means that whatever he promises, he will he will complete. But justice is an appeal to like a courtroom. It is the nature of God. Let me say it this way. It would be impossible for God to make a promise that he can't commit to. It is impossible for God to make a promise and not fulfill it. It, If God, if there could be a courtroom where God is on trial, it would, justice would sound like this. God, did you promise something? Yes, I did. Then you must do it. That is what justice is. So when it says that God is faithful and just, we're appealing to this justice and saying, God, we're holding you to your nature. Confession, faithful, just, forgive. What does forgiveness mean? Two meanings there, two word pictures. One has to do with um, uh, an uh, absolution or, or the, the vanquish of a debt. So in previous weeks, we had a check that said paid in full. right? If you can imagine, big red ink paid in full. When you have a debt and it's paid, that's forgiveness. A judicial sense of forgiveness means that when a judge says with his gavel, slams it down and said, you are completely innocent of all wrong accusations. Dismissal of all charges. Okay. Let's work our way down. Cleanse or purify, right? Some of your translations will say cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Others will say purify. This is a great word. Okay. Because it's an active word, it means um, to scrub away all the pollutants. Okay, Now, if you can visualize this, this will be helpful in your meditation. I hope you had a positive experience when you were a child, just a little kid, you know, four years old or so, or maybe you're a parent and you are a good parent, but your child or you, going back whenever you were four, can you picture a time where you had a feverish, violent mud fight? Okay, you're covered in goo, whatever that goo is. And it got so bad that your mom or dad just kind of picked you up and, like, just carried you into the bathroom, right? Just me and Mark, my brother, Mark? No? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, come on. Okay, so, yeah, he just carried you in there, took the clothes off right in the tub, and kind of had a hose with a shower head to it. And just once rinse, once lather, once rinse, second rinse, another lather, another rinse. You feel that happening? That's what, that's what it means, cleanse of all unrighteousness. And do you remember what it was like when you were done with that? I mean, you felt lighter. You felt new. You remember getting in a new pair of jammies after one of these scrubbing, cleansing of all unrighteousness, right? That you're running around the house, and your hair is wet and literally squeaky clean. You smell awesome, right? You love being this clean. That's the picture here. That's the picture of God, right? When we confess this and and we condemn our sin, he's going to put us. It is his nature to put us in this tub. He swore to his health. He's going to make us clean of all unrighteousness. Here comes the power. Okay, the next part is to personalize it. We take all these pronouns and we add our particular name. Uh, Since I'm teaching, so I'll add my name to this. And look how the verse changes. Okay, if Matt confesses his sins then God is faithful and just to forgive Matt all of his sins and to cleanse Matt of all unrighteousness. Do you see? Do you feel the power of personalizing the passage that way? I mean, this is a book that he wrote to me, and you guys are just reading over my shoulder at this point. He made this promise to me, very powerful, very significant. Okay, now we write it down. Okay? We write it down on one of our little things. And we're going to carry it in our pocket. We're going to look at it throughout the day every time we get a spare moment. And we are going to say it out loud. We're going to say it out loud in the car. And we're going to say it out loud multiple times. I'll tell you what. This is what we'll do after we write it down. We say it out loud. Well, let's do this together. Let's all, you insert your name here. Okay, All together on three. We'll read this, but with your name. Okay, Ready? Here we go. If confesses. God is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse all unrighteousness. Man, doesn't that oh man. Didn't that feel great already? (laughs) Right? Meditating on it day and night. Now, watch, watch how that all those points, the five points, all come together now in reading it with different emphases. Okay? Watch how it changes, kind of in nuances, but certainly in the application. So the first one is I'm going to emphasize is confess. If Matt confesses his sin, then God is righteous or faithful and just to forgive Matt of all his sin and cleanse Matt of all his righteousness. So Matt, <laughs> do it. Confess. Confess everything. Go into those details. He knows already. This is, this is the power of this promise, my friend Matt. Confess your sins. Uh, who you did it to. What motivated you? Right? Okay. What you did? Do this. Confess this, Matt. Get in this game. You know, for your for your sake, for God's sake, confess. Right? So I just I'll say confess your sins. Then God is righteous and just. Sometimes I'll, I'll read it out like this. I'll go okay. If Matt confesses his sins, God is righteous and just. I'm sorry. I keep I memorized a different version. He is faithful and just to forgive Matt and cleanse Matt of all his unrighteousness. Now what happens? See, now we, now, now it's, it's all about God, and now it's turned into a worship service. I'm driving to work, I'm stopped in traffic, and I go, he is faithful and just. Listen, friends, God doesn't have to forgive us, okay? He's not obliged. It's not like that's what God's do, right? God didn't have to forgive us. And so this says that he is faithful and just to forgive us. It is, it is his nature to care so much. And so I celebrate, you are faithful to your promises you're just you can't not forgive me God and I love that about you here's another thing I love about God that he wrote this promise down I mean can you imagine that all of this would be true but hidden from us are you with me that he gave me that sentence that I could hope for this but now I can believe in this and so when I stop and I think about, you know, if Matt confesses his sin, God is faithful and just, I'll go, oh, dear God, what kind of God am I serving here? That you would do this and then be obliged by your perfection to fulfill the promise that you made in me. N- different application, okay? How about this one? If, uh, if Matt would confess his sin, God is faithful and just to forgive Matt of his sins and cleanse Matt of all unrighteousness. There I am in that bathtub. Scrub a dub. I'm, I'm like one of those uh, pelicans that gets caw, caught in an oil slick, right? And he's just cleaning me and cleaning me and making this right till I can be shiny and fly again. Friends, this is beyond any dream I have ever had in my soul. He, he is faithful just to forgive us, right? right? Debt paid in full and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, innocent against all charges. Can I dwell on that? Do you see the power of this idea of memorizing and meditation? Do you see what's happening here? We understand the passage more, and then we go deeper by personalizing it. Then we say it out loud. We write it on a paper, sheet of paper, and then we repeat it in diff- with different emphases. It's getting into our souls, because, right? Because what, who, what we think, that's who we are. You are what you think. So when we talk about meditation, we t- we've taken the passage itself, now we're moving to meditation. Don't be freaked out or spooked about a word that seems like it goes along with monks, okay? You know, you know here's a great way to think of meditation. Um, a, a synonym would be worry. I mean, you've, you're, you've worried, right? You're probably pretty good at worrying, right? What, what is worrying? When you're fixated on something. When... It's your default thoughts, right? It's 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 what you go to. It's it's that uh, it's the small world after all. Music playing in your head and you can't get it out. That's what worrying is, right? So this meditation is saying, no, no, no. I'm going to choose what's playing in my head. I'm going to choose the Bible and God's Word written to me. Meditation is going throughout your day, and when you when you jump track, right on what you're thinking, you pull out that promise that was written from God to you, and you say, okay, we're going we're gonna to work back our way so this saturates my brain, my soul, my spirit. So after your meditation, here's, here's how it becomes application, okay? You have to apply this, friends. If you're in a Bible study that's not applying, find another Bible study, okay? Because the Bible was written for so you to apply to your life in real-life experiences, and so when you have sentences from God and promises from God rattling around in your hair, head, and they are making you think the thoughts of God, then it, opportunities show up and God's voice is speaking to you. And so, again, you know, if you, if you look at this passage itself, applying this passage to our life, First John 1, 9, you know, you're trusting in God's promises. You're not walking around angry or sulking or bitter or angry or jealous towards other people, because you have, because of God's faithful and just, He forgave you of all your sins. I mean, who? You can stop yourself right in the middle of the day and going, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. I've been cleansed. I took this. I took this bath, right? Or or how about or how about this when?" Um, you know, like when Jesus, right, he went out to the desert, if you know the story, 40 days and, uh, and 40, 40 days and nights without food, right? And then the devil came to tempt him, right? There's an accuser. The devil's nickname is the accuser, right? So when the accuser shows up and you've been 40 days in a, in a wilderness, right, of guilt and accusations and shame, and you're, okay, you're getting pounced. You do what Jesus did. He didn't make anything up. He quoted Moses. The words that God gave to Moses. you quote 1 John 1:9, "So you're driving to work and you have a guilt glitch, and you think, "Oh, I can't believe I did that." You, know, you say, "You know what, devil? Let's sing it. Let's, let's read a verse out loud together, shall we? And you, you claim this verse to be true, not because of you, but because God promised it. He promised it to you. And you say this, "Hey, hey, yeah, uh, you can accuse me of those things. Because that, there's that and more. There's so much worse that you don't even know about, you stupid demon. But this is true. That if I confess my sins, God, God not me, God is righteous and just. He's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So those things are true and worse things still, but I'm cleaner still. So maybe you should go hang out with someone that doesn't know the Bible and kick them around the desert a little bit. No one else has those conversations like me. Anyway, <laughs> you gotta talk smack, okay? You gotta talk smack to the devil, okay? okay. You know how here's another way to apply this passage. Again, it's, ra- it's in your head. You're thinking in this all the time that you're purified by God. Now you can take responsibility for your stuff. Of course you can. I mean, if God is for you, who do you care is could be against you, right? And so you did some things. It cost people some money or reputation or whatever. Just step into it and say, Yeah, here's what I did. What do I have to do to make this right if I can, right? I mean, saints throughout the Bible, it's like, I'm forgiven, but I need to go to jail, right? It doesn't absolve you of the consequences, and so, but you don't have to be afraid of the consequences because this passage says that if you confess your sins, that God is righteous and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all, resp- of un- all unrighteousness. That's how you apply it. So the point is this. When you're making your way through life, this is how you transform your life. This is how you meditate on the scriptures. In the Old Testament alone, the word meditation is used fifty times. And I love the word pictures because that'll help us understand a greater uh, depth of of what they're out to. Meditation is used in reference to a tree that's planted by a running brook. Okay, it's clean water, and it's just it's slowly but consistently drinking deeply and filling the roots and then the trunk and then the limbs and then producing great fruit. That's what meditation does. Long-term, slow but sure, let's get it right, let's get the good stuff, right? Sometimes meditation, um, the picture is a young lion like growling before its prey. It's just what lions do. Um, A dove... That's murmuring. Just inhale, exhale. Inhale, exhale. That's what meditation is. It's a cow. It's a cow chewing on its cud. You aren't, you are what you eat. No, no, no. That's just your body. You are what you think. And remember this. Let's say this out loud, right? Let's say this out loud. What the mind repeats, it retains. And what the mind retains, you become. Let's apply this, okay? Let's apply this to our new disciplines, right? We have, first week, we took 15 minutes to spend time with God, okay? We learned how to pray in an outline, in a form, A-C-T-S, and we're going to listen to God. We learned about listening to God primarily through his word, reading disciplined in, in a disciplined manner. Now we're learning to take one of those sentences and jump on it, and we're going to memorize it and then meditate on it and make it ours. Let's do that, okay? We just have another week together. I'll fill in some more pieces next week. You're going to love it, Okay? But let's pray this for each other, that the word of God, the voice of God, could transform our souls. Lord Jesus, we lift this vision up to you, that you would be our vision, the vision of our heart, that nothing else in the world would mesmerize us but you, just you, God. Our best thought, by day and by night, walking and sleeping, is your presence, your light. Lord, let this song be a prayer. Let it it be a hope, let it be a reality for us. God, let Grace Covenant Church be a church that doesn't know the Word, but does the Word, that meditates on the Word, that lives the Word, that enjoys a voice from you, that knows you, that you are near, and we serve a great King. We pray this with great expectations. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.